Well, we're going to continue in our series of outerwear and underwear. This was from a couple of weeks ago, and if my boys are backstage, I was hoping by now they're, they're here. Maybe they got locked out and didn't get to go backstage, but that's all right. They're just going to display the, uh, the clothes that are in the back. There they are. Well, and there's no clothes on there. <laughs> but you can visually see that, right? Now, we'll... Let's go ahead and separate a couple of those and put, put that right here so that they can, we'll balance that out. Thank you, boys, for helping. And these are clothes provided by the Veldi family. I'm grateful for that. I had such a fun week this week. Uh, several uh, people have been encouraging me. Late, lately, here, somebody was encouraging me to go visit the new ice cream shop down here on 58th Avenue. You know what I'm talking about? Where um, the pizza places and great clips. And they said, Pastor, you've got to go to this ice cream place. Um, I said, oh, yeah, is it really good? Well, I'm sure it is. And I said, what do you mean I'm sh- you're, you're sure it is? Well, the owners there are Asian. (laughs) So go ahead and pinpoint every Asian restaurant and store, and I will be sure to personally visit them. (laughs) On behalf of the Asian community, I want to thank you all for acknowledging us. By the way, I'm glad to see our Asian friends back there, May and Santi May's heading out to Thailand here in uh, a few weeks, and she's going to go get to visit a friend of mine who's a missionary there near the Chiang Mai area, and all the Asian ladies that's there, and Santi as well. And so we've actually, we're, we've got a good Asian representation in the house. Who knows? Asian invasion might just happen this week. <laughs> Oh, Lauren, good to see you guys. You're here and your baby's here. Congratulations to you. Y'all forgive me. I can just ramble on about just stuff, but we need to get into the word, right? John 15, would you take your Bibles and turn there? I want to look at this passage with you. This was such an enjoyable message for me a couple of weeks ago. John 13, verse number one. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end during the supper when the devil had already put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose up from supper, he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist and he poured it into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what am I, uh, what I am doing? You do not understand, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if you do not wash my feet, you have no share with me. Verse number 10, Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him and that, he was, that it was said, why? Not all of you are clean. When he had washed your feet and put away, put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said, do you understand what I have done to you? And I want to highlight several parts because the last time the Lord gave me the privilege of speaking about this subject, it was 
only about three or four points of that message. And so I want to just briefly go down through a list of things that God revealed to me. But specifically, I want to park at a, a few of those things. And let's unpack that together. Father, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. We need a sense of your word coming alive in our hearts, revealed to us. And so that can only be done by your spirit. Illuminate our eyes. Illuminate our hearts. May we behold and discover wondrous things out of your words. These things we pray in Jesus. Jesus name and God's people said Amen. our outerwear serves to project our perceived identity our underwear serves to protect our personal identity I want you to discover with me this intimate vulnerable moment of Jesus removing his outerwear to demonstrate transparency intimacy and an authentic relationship what we physically wear portrays our projected identity doesn't it we put on different clothes and different outfits and different things so, because we want to uh, portray a, a, a way of people receiving us and perceiving us. In the same manner, our soul, everyone say our soul. In the same manner, our soul has a covering to portray a certain identity. This is what I'm referring to today. I'm not referring to your physical clothes per se. I'm referring to our soul that wears these layers of clothes uh, so that we can portray what we really aren't inside. And so I want to unpack that with us this morning. We said from our last message that the definition of intimacy is into me you see. So what is it that you are revealing about yourself in true intimacy. Into me, you see. Be careful about undressing in unsafe places. The person may not be safe, the place may not be safe. I'm talking about bearing your soul to someone who is unsafe. The church should be a place but the church itself is, a full, is full, every church, not just this church, is full of people who are going through the healing process. Every single church is at a place in the, the season, in the moment, where we have individuals always going through moments of healing. But you and I learning to discern who it is and the places that are safe and unplay, uh, unsafe will give us encouragement and will allow us to build proper community so that we can speak and undress in our soul in the proper places. Let me ask you a question. Who cares for your soul? Who cares for you? The Bible says in the New Testament that God gives us spiritual leaders, elders, shepherds, pastors, for they watch over your souls. They should be caring for you. It is a spiritual responsibility that spiritual leaders have to care for your soul. Can I go through more layers? Husbands, wives, God has given you each other to care for each other's souls. Friends, certain companions, certain comrades, and certain individuals who are part of your core community, they should care for your soul. 
So then it begs to ask the question, who is caring for your soul? I have a few people, if you ever want to see on my speed dial, they probably get their phone worn out by me. Sometimes it'll be a random text message. Sometimes it'll be a, hey man, what are you doing? And it's really a personal connection with that individual because it's really because they care for me and I care for them. But learning how to walk with someone who cares for your soul is critical in your spiritual development. Healed people heal people. Hurt people hurt people. When we discern if a person has been healed or is healing, we will have peace about removing our outerwear. This statement resonated with me and it seems to have resonated with our church here recently, the last time I shared this message. No one told me that when I wear a mask, only my mask receives love, not me. Think about that in that outerwear. No one told me that when I put on the outerwear, the mask, the outerwear, that only that outerwear or that mask receives loves, love, not me. The reason God encourages us to remove our outerwear is to reveal our identity. You can reveal or you can conceal. You see, Moses had a moment where he had to remove what was being placed upon him to reveal who God created him to be. If you remember the story of Moses, he was just a baby and he was taken away or he was given away over from being a Hebrew child of being uh, of Israelite descent and given over to the Egyptians. And a princess, an Egyptian princess took Moses in. And for 40 years, he, if you will, struggled with his real identity. He was truly Hebrew, but he was being placed in the palace as an Egyptian and wanted to and needed to be taught and up brought into that palace in such a way but at 40 years of age he had to shed off his outerwear to reveal who he really was a Hebrew at some point in your life it's significant that you remove that outerwear to reveal who you really are that's why church should be a place where you're not weary because you can be who you are in Christ Moses removed his Egyptian outerwear to uncover his Hebrew identity. Moses went in so much as to remove his shoes before the presence of God. Do you remember that story? So not only has Moses, if you will, in this intimate moment, removed his outerwear being an Egyptian, now showing, revealing himself that he was a Hebrew. He takes, that was 40, his first 40 years was an Egyptian. His next 40 years was spent as a Hebrew in the backside of the desert because when you remove your outerwear, God does an inner work. Notice that? 
So he went from prestige to an Egyptian to now remove, and he kills a, 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 another, he, uh, another Egyptian, and he couldn't live with himself because he knew who he really was, removes that outerwear, and God sends him to the backside of the desert. First 40 years, now the next 40 years was spent discovering who God made Moses to be. And God had to remind Moses, I am who I say I am. I am not against you. I am for you. And then God has a special moment before Moses. And he's, uh, there's a burning bush that is glowing and just, but it's not on fire. It's just a miraculous thing. How can something be on fire but not being consumed? And then God says to Moses, Moses, you've already taken off your outerwear. Now I want you to go and be deliberate. Take off your shoes. Take them off because the ground that you're staying on, that you're standing on is holy ground. I want to say to us as a church family, if you've taken off that coat, praise God. If you've taken off that mask, praise God. Maybe you need to go to another, a level of holy ground. Take off that shoes. Take off that part where that's the dirtiest part of who you are. That's the part where we, we, we want to uncover that. It's dirty, it's filthy, dirt gets on there. And God was saying to Moses, I want you to remove even that. Because what I'm doing in you in this moment is so sacred that even the ground that you're standing on, when you enter into my presence, I'm going to clean all of you. I'm going to clean your feet, your dirtiest part of you. Now, significantly enough, we enter into John 13, and what does Jesus Christ do with the disciples? Now that you're in my presence, now that you're right here, I'm going to clean the very dirtiest part of you. And I'm going to wash that. Because the ground that you are in right now, I want you to take your shoes off. It's not just a custom. God was trying to teach a valuable lesson in the sacredness of his last ability to teach the group as one whole. This was the last time before he would go to the cross. When we stand before God, we should always feel the way Moses felt. Moses felt like this was just sacred. This was so special. This was holy ground, and so he removed it. Number one, insights from John 13. Number one, God knows the real us, yet he loves us. Isn't it amazing? If you look at verse number one, now before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from the world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus loved these guys even though he knew what some of them would do and how Judas would betray and how Thomas would doubt, how the others would be concerned, how Peter would be so volatile in his decisions, but yet God loved them anyways. He knew them, yet he loved them. And if you're here today, it's not by accident that you are under the sound of the preaching of the word of God for you to hear that God loves you despite you. As a matter of fact, it's the reason that God loves you. God loves you because of who you are. He loves you immeasurably that you can't even imagine and comprehend. But Pastor Jeremy was saying to his friend, if only God knew how wicked I was or how terrible I was. That's why God loves you. That's what his grace is all about. His grace is not for the perfect. His grace 
It's for those who need redemption. And we all need redemption. And we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God loves us anyways. That's the amazing part of God's love for us. Number two, the enemy will whisper the very lie that your soul struggles with. Wow. The enemy will whisper the very lie that your soul, you already struggle with this, and so the enemy, here's how this happens. In verse number two, now supper being concluded, the devil had put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Who had the problem with the money already? Judas. Who had the problem about his faith already? Judas. You see, it was not. It was not John the beloved. John, that wasn't John's struggle. So it was easy for the enemy to whisper a lie to something that you're already experiencing a wrestling and a tension with. Does that make sense? Our soul can easily believe the very lie the devil whispers or that even our heart wants to hear. The heart has a way of building a narration or a storyline. You don't have to tell me the whole thing. I can just read the post on Facebook and I have now, my heart has told me everything I needed to know. Does that make sense? But our hearts are so deceptive. So what happens is we see a comment on social media. We hear a comment from a friend. We hear a comment at work and we hear a comment. And then we already know the full story because our heart has built the narrative. Oh, I know why. I know why they did that. And we go into a mode as Christians from something that is healthy called confession into a place that is not our territory called accusation. You see, when you're a healthy, mature believer, you go into confession, Lord, what, what's, what have I done? How have I hurt this person? How have I offended this person? As opposed to, I know why they said what they said. I, I know why. It's this reason. And we go into an accusation, and the Bible calls one person in, the, in, in Scripture, the devil is an accuser of the brethren. He's, he's the accuser. Don't do his dirty work. Why would you do something the devil doesn't need help doing? He's already doing a good job accusing us to God, God to us, me to you, you to me, me to myself. He does a good enough job. Why play his games and his tactics? We need to speak truth into the situation. The enemy speaks lies into the situation. Amen. Thank you. What possible trap is the enemy whispering for your heart to fill in the details? The Bible gives us a warning. Be careful of the snares, the traps of the enemy. What possible trap is the enemy whispering for your heart to fill in the details? Basically, the story goes, and you know why, right? Dot, 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 underline that, and you fill in the gap. Does that make sense? Be careful. Number three, know who you are and whose you are. 
Verse number three says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things in his, into his hands, that he came from God and was going to God. Jesus know, knew exactly who he was. So the enemy can tell him a lie, and he knew exactly who he was. That's why the song that we sang this morning for worship was so special. I am who you say I am. You're for me, not against me. The song tells us and reminds us of words of, excuse me, of scripture that help us with our identity in Jesus Christ. I am who you say I am, not who he says I am, she says I am, or the enemy says I am. You're not who the enemy says you are. You're not even the, you are not even who your enemies say you are. And you're definitely not who you say you are. Because sometimes the way we identify ourselves is I'm not good enough. If I wanted to beat myself up, I can, I'll just do it as a way of illustration. I can say, oh, I'm short. I wish I was tall like Mike Pickerel. Why didn't God make me tall like Mike Pickerel? Because God wanted to make Mike Pickerel tall and Chanta shorter. Does that mean that God is imperfect because he created me imperfect? No. Before the foundation of the world, God already knew that I would be a certain height, that I would have slanted eyes, that I would be, that I would have black hair, brown eyes. That's who God made me. And the Bible says that I am the apple of my father's eyes. You're the apple of your father's eyes. You are perfect before God. He created you just the way he wanted to create you. There's only one of you. No one in this world can be loved by God like you are loved by God. That blows my mind. That blows my mind. You can't wear a different outfit to be healed from the person that's wearing the clothes. Did you catch that? You can't change your identity from who you are by wearing a different blouse. Because what is underneath is still what's underneath. And so when you say, John Blake, you're the problem. Esther, you're the problem. Mike, you're the problem. So I'm going to move from the problem. And then when I move, Sylvia, you're the problem. Sherry, you're the problem. Gideon, you're the problem. Fine, I'll go to a different church. Monique, you're the problem. Dale, you're the problem. Jerry, you're the problem. Well, I'll go to a different church. <laughs> Maybe the problem isn't so much everybody that you're pointing to. Maybe it's the guy with two thumbs. You see, you can't change something by just moving away to a different relationship every single time. That's what putting on a different outfit is all about. That outerwear that we're referring to. Just because you put on a different, pair, uh, a different pair of shoes, a different pair of pants, a different shirt, 
put on glasses, maybe they won't see me, know me. You really haven't changed who you are. And that takes the next step, which is the work of God who does the cleansing. That's why God, Jesus said, you guys have to let me do this. I've got to do the cleansing work. Let me wash you. Let me wash your feet because it's Jesus that needs to cleanse you. Next one, number four, you've got to take off your outerwear. You've got to take off your outerwear. You've got to take it off. Be real to who you are and what God is doing in your heart. It's an old Christian song we used to sing years ago in children's church. It's not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Sometimes we do a lot of, man, that was a good message, John Blake. I'm so glad he's sitting in church to hear that one. I know it. Yep. So glad. JC, you got that message, man. That was just for you. Lisa, that was perfect for you. I knew it. I, knew, I was so glad he said that because I've been thinking about you. <laughs> no. God, what are, you, what are you doing in my heart? What are you trying to reveal? Remember, confession versus accusation. The DNA of a accusation is, it's so good. I'm so glad Don heard this message. It's so good. Tim and Jody, I'm so glad you heard that message because I've been thinking about you this week and mm, yeah, I think this is you. That's accusation. Confession is, Lord, I believe I need this message for this moment. Help me to understand what you're doing in my life right now. Take off your outerwear. Verse number four, it says, Jesus rose from supper and laid aside his garments. Number five, take on a towel. Take on a towel. What does that mean? Verse number four, it says, and he took a towel and wrapped himself. Verse number five says, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was wrapped. I want to ask you a question. How are you serving others in the body of Christ? Where's your towel? Are you just, go ahead, wash me. <laughs> I have a, a little puppy. She's a year old, a Yorkshire Terrier. And we took her to be bathed at the groomer uh, this week. The last time she was there was January. We clean her at home, but sometimes she needs extra help because I, she just needs extra help. And so we cleaned her. After we, I get done with all of the grooming, We'll flip her on her back and I'll just scratch her. You know what she does? <sighs> Go ahead. I fight the rest of the way about my bathing and my grooming, but if you're going to scratch me, <laughs> I like that. We have too many Christians who come to church and they enjoy being scratched. They just put their arms and legs back and they enjoy. That's good. <laughs> Right there. Yesterday when we were combing her, this is what she was doing. Oh, she was shaking that, that right leg quite a bit. Can I ask you a question? I don't know how long you've been here. So if you're new, I'm not speaking to you. 
But if you're just one of those Christians who expect everyone else to put on the towel so that you can get cleansed, maybe it's you who need to ask yourself the question, what am I doing to serve the body of Christ? Dr. Wayne Smith, a few months ago, spoke on serving the body and contributing to the body and not being a consumer. Listen, don't just be one who comes to church and you just get scratched. You get fed. What are you doing to give back to the body of Christ? Galatians 5.13 says this, for you were called to freedoms, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. I wrote this down in my journal just last night. How does it go? Faith moves mountains. Love moves hearts. 1 Corinthians 13. Just a different way of saying it. The church should be a place where it's filled with love and through love, we serve one another. Number six, allow Jesus to clean the dirtiest part of you. Verse number six says, he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Yeah, some of your feet need washing. My feet needs washing. This place is holy ground. It should be a place where we just want to get all of it clean. What must I do to allow Jesus to clean the dirtiest parts of me? Let God do it. That's the answer. Don't hold back. Oftentimes in church, we have rooms. If it was the room of the house, you can see the living room. You might could see the kitchen. You might could see the dining room, but heaven forbid that you go to the back rooms because my children has messed up their bedroom and my, my bedroom is not quite where it ought to be and the bathrooms aren't. So we keep certain rooms so that guests can't go in. When God comes into your heart and your life, he should be able to access all rooms so that he can cleanse all of you. Number seven, receive and discern what Jesus is doing. This is a big one for me because this convicted me, this challenged me. Receive and discern what Jesus is doing. Verse number seven says this, Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand, but afterward you will understand. There's been a lot of things that I don't understand. I've tried to wrap my mind around it. I've tried to figure it out like, oh, Lord, it, it sort of makes sense as best as I can, but it still doesn't make sense. Why would you do this? Didn't, couldn't you have a different outcome? Couldn't you use a different formula to produce a different result? God, why did it have to be this way? And I'm reminded of Romans 8, 28, that he takes all of those things and he works all of those things out for his greater good and for his greater glory. It's the work of God. He's a redeemer. It's not just a question of what God is doing to me. You see, good leaders ask great questions. So instead of asking God, what are you doing to me? 
I'm going to ask God a different question. God, what are you doing for me? What are you doing for me right now, God? That you're trying to conform me into your image. And how are you doing it? And how do I need to be yielded? Number eight, moving along. Identify with Jesus through washing. Identify with Jesus through washing. Peter, verse number eight says this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. You should never do it. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. You've got to identify with Jesus and allow him to wash you. He wants to cleanse you and you must let him. Number nine, allow Jesus to cleanse all parts of you. Verse number nine says this, Master, said Peter, not only my feet then, wash my hands, wash my head. Allow Jesus to cleanse all parts of you. I love the prayer that I was taught in my younger days. One of my pastors would say, Lord, take my eyes. May forgive me for what I have seen. Lord, I pray that they would only look. These are your eyes. I give them to you. Lord, help me to only behold things that you would want me to behold, things that are honoring and glorifying to you. Take my mind, purify my thoughts, and Lord, may I think on heavenly things. Lord, take my hands. May they do the work that you have called me to do. Take my feet. May they go where you want me to go and never go where you don't want me to go. Lord, take my heart. May I have a passion just like you have a passion for this world. Give it all to God. Let every part of your member be dedicated. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Give your members, give your body all over to God. Number 10. It is a matter of holiness, not hygiene. Don't miss the lesson. All this time, Peter was thinking, God, you're just trying to wash my feet. I don't want you to do that. And God kept coming back and forth to the story. I'm not trying to just wash your feet. What you're doing, you're not discerning what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to do something sacred in your heart. And all you can think about is me washing your feet. It's not about your feet. It's about your heart. It's about your soul. I'm not trying to cleanse you on the outside because that's all you do is just put on a different, uh, a different outfit and you'll look fine. My son's been in football. Is Coach Boyer in the room today? He might be at the 11 o'clock service. Every day I pick up my son or my wife picks up my son and my son, Caleb, smells and it's sour. (laughs) I'm a father and I still think it stinks. And then I, we tell him, Susan's been telling him, be careful not to go around hugging people. And he's, our, he's like, no, the girls like my, my smell. <laughs> like, no, they, they, they don't. <laughs> but if he comes home, we tell him, please take a shower like now. Teenagers, this is what they do sometimes, and you can testify. It didn't smell that bad. Go get Axe spray, and they will do this. I smell better now. All it smells like is expired sour Axe spray. (laughs) That's what it smells like. But see, that's what we do in the Christian life. We just try to take care of all of this, 
And what we really need to do is get cleansed. It's not a matter of holiness. Uh, it's not a matter of hygiene. It's a matter of holiness. Don't just clean the outside. Clean what's underneath. Verse number 11. Discern the spiritual and physical realms. I want you to see, look at verse number 12. It says this, do you know what I have done to you? That's a good question. Jesus asked that question to Peter. Do you even know what I'm doing to you right now, Peter? You think, you think I'm really just trying to clean your feet. That's just a part of our culture. I'm trying to teach you a spiritual lesson. You need to go beyond that. There's a reason of my adamacy that I would clean your feet and you need to discern this. You see, you need to discern between the spiritual and physical realms what God is doing. God is trying to take care of something in the spiritual realm so he can, and he's doing that to reveal to you what's happening in your life right now. What is happening right now in your life that you can allow Jesus to ask this question, do you know what I am doing to you? Or are you resisting? Are you Peter resisting? Don't wash my feet. You can't do that. You can wash my hands. You can wash my head, but you cannot wash my feet. And God is trying to say to you, let me clean all of you. Let me clean your feet. Number 12. We'd said this last time, so I'll go quickly. Recognize it uh, and accept spiritual authority and constitutional authority. Verse number 13 to 14, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Verse uh, number 13, Jesus, it, Jesus modeled it so that we can live it out with each other. Verse number 15, for I have given you as, as an example that you should also do this, just I have done to you. Wash one another's feet. And please recognize that I'm not referring to the physical. Though that would be a good practice. I'm speaking spiritual. What are you doing to build one another up in Jesus Christ and helping to challenge and to cleanse one another within the body? What are you doing to challenge and to walk out your faith and your life with another brother or sister in the Lord? This is what I'm doing, so also do you do it also. Accountability is a wonderful thing. Number 14, he was teaching about transparency. Jesus was going through, took off his outerwear, and he was teaching a moment of transparency. Authentic Christian living, authentic faith, and he was trying to teach his disciples this. And we as disciples today need to walk in transparency as well. V number 15, and we're done. Wisdom is applied truth. Wisdom is applied truth. Truth by itself is just truth. But when you take wisdom and you apply it, it is now in the spiritual realm, you are practicing wisdom. Knowledge is just the knowledge of the truth, but when you apply it, it, God converts that now into wisdom. Wisdom is the insight to see what God is doing and having the character to follow through with what God is saying. You and I need to walk in wisdom, not just in knowledge. 
The knowledge of the word of God is good, but how we live that out here forth is wisdom now applied, is knowledge now applied. I want to read to you in closing Psalm, one, uh, Psalm 19, verse number seven. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making the wise, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and dripping as the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping of them is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent uh, from my hidden faults. This is David. Keep me from your servant, also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Don't let me be uh, blameless. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. Verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, my strength and my redeemer. This is the testimony of David, that it was the word of God that does the cleansing. It was the word of God that is pure and holy and righteous altogether. And God, it is sweeter than the honey and the honeycomb. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Men, it's not just fine, it's fine. It's good, it's acceptable, it is pleasing to God. Learn to receive the word, the testimonies of the Lord are pure and righteous altogether. All scripture is given for inspiration. All scripture is given for doctrine, for reproof, for correction in righteousness sake. Take all of it, not parts of it, all of it and let it transform you from the outside to the inside and may I say it this way from the inside to the outside outerwear versus underwear as the worship team joins me on stage I want you to all stand to your feet in closing your heads bowed and your eyes closed I want to ask you the question because I believe you need to wrestle with God right now I believe it's a moment of where the church family gets to take off its outerwear and be transparent and deal with what God is asking you to deal with. I have no idea what it is that God is asking you to deal with, but the Holy Spirit of God is prompting you right now. Here's the way we do it. To my right, there, there are prayer partners ready to pray with you about your needs. Any needs you have, men, women, pray with someone. To my left, to your right, is, our, is an altar that you can pray by yourself with whatever it is God is calling you. Sometimes we feel comfortable to stay there in our seat. But you see, sometimes, and that's okay, because that's between you and God. But if God is asking you to say, walk that out, go before the altar and walk that out and take off your outerwear and don't be ashamed and be, walk in transparency, walk in truth, walk in cleansing, walk in newness of life, walk in victory, walk in joy, walk in the blessings of God and what he has for you. Go walk it out. Take it off.
take it off. It's a coat removing time. It's a jacket removing time. It's a shirt removing time in the soulful realm. Remove it so that we're not operating off of fakeness, but we're operating off of a purity because we recognize God wants to cleanse this. This. So if God is asking you to do that, may I encourage you, dear brother, dear sister, to step out in faith and be bold in your faith and pray up front at the altars, all up here, and walk it out. Would you close your eyes as the music is and the worship team is singing in the background? If that is what God is asking you to do, step out. You might not know how powerful your moment of boldness is for someone else. They just needed the courage from, of someone else to step into that same courage. wind blow on your people oh God